Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Welcome back, everybody. You are watching and or listening to the Belly Up Fantasy Football Show. I'm your host, Lord, joined by former host Daniel Major, Chris Howhauer, and special guest Steve Pintado of the Fantasy Football Coaches Podcast. Chris and I will be the in the front seat on this show uh, moving forward, but be sure to catch Dan hosting on MD's Fantasy Football Show still. How are you boys doing tonight? Doing good. I want to let everybody know, though, I'm still the producer because I have all the access to all the buttons. So if Adam starts to do too good, if I feel like I'm being replaced a little too well, I'm just going to sabotage this entire show. So just to give you a heads up. Fair. Everyone else? Steve, how are you? you? I'm doing good over here, guys. Uh, Thanks for letting me come on the show tonight. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun here. Um, And I just love talking fantasy and football. So, I mean, mix the two together tonight. uh, It's going to be a fun night, that's for sure. All right. Well, we've got a great show for you tonight, uh, as we'll be discussing some of our favorite storylines of the offseason as they pertain to fantasy. But first, a word from a, uh, a very special sponsor. Summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? You're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right? The 4.0. Compliment your dad bod or six-pack with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for the hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code BELLYUPFANTASY. Well done, Adam. Good job. (laughs) Excited about that one. All right, guys. Well, it's time to, as I said, discuss some of our favorite storylines of the offseason as they pertain to fantasy. Um, And it'd be great if we had Chris. But, oh, there he is. (laughs) You missed our ad read, buddy. We're working on it. He still looks like he's a little confused. How does technology work? Camera in place. Press button to speak. We have it yet, Chris? Sounds like a no. He's still working on it. Go ahead. Keep it going. Well, in the meantime, uh, we'll start off. Uh, we'll start off with my first one as I'm the host. I get to do that now. <laughs> um, yeah, so my first favorite storyline there 
was the Raiders offseason. Um, overall, they just had a, a wild up and down offseason, some solid moves, some head scratching ones, and a lot to discuss for fantasy. Um, so some of the highlights here, they traded Trent Brown for late uh, late picks. They traded Rodney Hudson uh, for a third round pick. They signed Kenyon Drake and they signed John Brown. Um, those are some of the, the key ones that I wanted to I wanted to really focus on. So obviously Trent Brown and Rodney Hudson being gone uh, kind of leads for some downgrades, especially in the interior offensive line. Um, you know, if you trust Leatherwood, then they've uh, potentially got their tackle spots on both sides figured out. But on the interior, it's pretty worrying to me, to be honest with you. And that's, you know, a quarterback's, that's a quarterback's nightmare, really, is to have, you know, a lot of pressure up in the interior, especially if you are – one of the owners of a, a former first round pick in Henry Ruggs, who, you know, is someone who projects as a deep threat. Um, so having a lot of pressure in your quarterback's face, if you're wanting a deep threat to break out, really not great. Um, so th- that is concerning for, to me uh, if, you know, you are someone who wants to see Henry Ruggs shine. Um, obviously, the signing of Kenyon Drake is bad news for Josh Jacobs. Uh, even if it's he doesn't take a lot of carries, you know, it seems to be a sign that we won't see any um, development in the receiving game from Josh Jacobs, which, you know, is, is obviously something that we want to see as fantasy managers. And then we've already touched on how the offensive line hurts rugs, but John Brown does as well. Uh, I think he's just a more polished deep threat um, overall. And, you know, really past Waller and Carr, I, there's not a lot, and obviously Jacobs uh, depending on the value, but it's not a lot of guys I'm like really pounding the board to draft here. Am I, am I crazy? Has anyone, what are the thoughts here on that? Well, so this is your big storyline, like because this isn't the most impactful. The way you just made it lead off, right? Uh, this this is was, a big storyline from the year. Yeah, this was my maybe not the most impactful, but the one that potentially has the most pieces impacted by it. Yeah, there, there's a lot of pieces impacted by it. I mean, I, I definitely want to hear Steve's thoughts as far as you know when you go. Josh Jacobs in that situation where he already had what 3.9 yards of carry he was already highly inefficient last year because that offensive line was so banged up. What do you do this year? What can we expect this year when they didn't bring really anybody in of consequence to replace these guys? Right. And when it comes to Josh Jacobs, I think overall, when you see their entire offseason, he in general gets the most impactfulness of what's going on here. The O-line is now reshaped. You could say it's worse. You could say it's better. It's more than likely worse than what it was last year. You bring in Kenyon Drake to take away from the receiving ability to his game there. Uh, it kind of just shows you that the the Raiders just they don't trust Josh Jacobs to consistently be a workhorse back for this team. And you bring in Kenyon Drake for the money that they did. It definitely makes it, you know, we talked, we were talking the last offseason about Josh Jacobs in general being like a dynasty, like top 10 running back. And now you look at him. I mean, people are scared to take him. You look at him at redraft, people are scared to take him there. I mean, this offseason just hugely impacted how you value Josh Jacobs moving forward because what the team did this offseason here overall to kind of make him not be that guy anymore, to be that workhorse guy. So Mm -hmm. I like it. 
how long until John Gruden can be called an idiot and be run out of Las Vegas? <laughs> that's my big thing because we've seen this how many times now? That That's what I want to harp on. I know he still has, what, an asinine amount of years left on his contract for absolutely no reason whatsoever. But at some point, knowing that he has final say over Mike Mayock when it comes to picking these players – when can we just move on? When are people going to finally turn on John Gurdon being a good coach? Because he's not, especially when not not when it comes to per player personnel. Mm -hmm. Anybody care to venture a guess on that one? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sooner the better. <laughs> if, if he doesn't make the playoffs this season here, you, you have to extremely question his, his decision-making in the organization. I mean, you've gone through multiple star players in and out. You've, you've reshaped this offense to possibly your offense now. And, You've yet to make the playoffs, and you're what four? This is going near five or something like that. There's an issue there. So I mean, yeah, he might have had a couple of good lucky moments early on in his career that won him a Super Bowl, but I mean, he's not doing anything for the Raiders right now. There's, I mean, you're not talking about the Raiders right now as a team who's contending for the Super Bowl right now. Maybe the playoffs, but not for a Super Bowl. Even the playoffs, I don't see how you come out of the AFC West. The Broncos are better. The Chargers are better. You still have to deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. It's, I know for fantasy's perspective, it, it's kind of it just it's frustrating because all he does is put these players into a bind. I want a lot. I want to like Josh Jacobs. I do. And frankly, I'm going to be talking about this in a couple of weeks. But his ADP right now is probably too low. His ADP right now is RB 14, 27th overall. But this is a guy that we have to remember. Even with Kenyon Drake there, he's still going to run the ball. Gruden, that is. He's still going to want to run the ball constantly. Josh Jacobs will still get the majority of those carries. Where he caps his ceiling at with the Kenyon Drake, which is what Adam's alluding to, is, is that you're capping his ceiling at the targets because it did move up. It wasn't crazy last year. I think he only had 40 targets still by the end of the, day, at the, end of the day. But it does move up a little bit if he doesn't have Kenyon Drake there. Now, 40 targets is his ceiling. There's, there's nothing more than that we could actually expect. And that's where the whole thing becomes frustrating. Derek Carr finishes QB 13 last year with basically no receivers. Nelson Aguilar was the only receiver worth a damn. You bring in John Brown. If I had to guess who was going to be the Nelson Aguilar this year, maybe it's John Brown. But I also don't know if John Brown could stay on the field. I don't know where Henry Ruggs is in development. But here's what I do know. It doesn't matter that Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards are the up-and-coming rookie wide receiver or sophomore wide receivers now, supposed to be the young guns. Gruden will play his veterans come hell or high water for absolutely no reason whatsoever. And therefore, we find ourselves in these same situations over and over and over again. So when it boils down to it, I'm still good with Josh Davis being an RB2. His, he, even with an inefficient outlook in front of him, he's still going to get a lot of goal line carries. He's still going to get a lot of touchdowns. He's still going to get the majority of the touches overall. I still think he's going to get 250 carries by the time the year is over. So he's going to be fine, but he doesn't have that top five RB1 type of ceiling that you thought he might be able to have. People are not going to realize how bad this offensive line is going to be, I think, all year long. So, yeah, it was completely impactful. Let's see. Chris looks like he's not as confused anymore. Yeah, probably has some audio. Hey, <laughs> whole show. Well, let's move on to the next one, Adam. Yeah, so I wanted to uh, jump over to jump over to Steve here and look at the Stafford to the, the Rams take. Yeah, so, I mean, if you talk about a team that was in need of a major upgrade at the quarterback position, which is obviously the most impactful in terms of everything you can do in the NFL or in fantasy, you go from Jared Goff, who was super inefficient after regressing over the last couple of seasons, to Matthew Stafford, who 
he has his own issues as well. I, I'm not saying Matthew Stafford is going to you know, ride this team to the championship because I think he had his own issues. But if you look at what this team can do for fantasy, this is a team that was throwing the ball from the line of scrimmage frequently with uh, Jared Goff here. And now you have Matthew Stafford, who I believe has an arm, and he does, and can get the ball downfield here. And I think that makes a huge impact for this offense here. You're talking about the, the Rams who are like, their wide receiver core is low-end, high-end wide receiver twos, pretty solid. And the running game was pretty solid. You know, Tyler Higby was considered maybe a flirting with the tight end one position. And then you bring in Matthew Stafford here, and then these guys who are still low, I think they're being undervalued right now. And they're going to see more downfield throws than they saw over the last couple of seasons now. Matthew Stafford can air the ball downfield. He can get the ball to the running backs. He can get the ball to the tight end position. He can make this team just open up the offense and you bring in the pieces around Matthew Stafford, like Deshaun Jackson, Tutu Atwell. Uh, you have Van Jefferson there. I mean, talk about impactful. I mean, you bring Matthew Stafford there with his, his caliber arm and be able to open up the offense that you didn't have with a guy like Jared Goff here. I mean, it's going to make an impact on this receiver core. It's going to make impact on everyone on this offense here. And they're going to be a team you're going to want to buy into before the start of the season. Steve, you talk about being undervalued. Cooper Cup, you can get him in the sixth round in 12-man league drafts right now. You want to talk about undervalued. That's crazy <laughs> undervalue. Crazy undervalue. Yeah, so, Dan, you had uh, the same storyline there on your list. Do you have anything to Yeah, well, I mean, I had – the golf, golf trade was my number two. It was my yeah. number two impact on this thing because of that – look, you're talking about two big-time name quarterbacks – switching teams you're gonna get crazy impact on both of these teams now which is why they make number two on my list and kind of alluding to what steve just talked about i have stafford down here he had 10 yards per attempt or no i'm sorry not 10 yards per attempt he was 10th in yards per attempt while golf was sitting there 34th think about that 34 there's 32 teams he was 34th and yards per attempt. That is how shoddy he was going anywhere down the field whatsoever. So, yeah, it's going to make a big impact. They bring in Deshaun Jackson. I don't have a high opinion about Tutu Atwell, but they bring in Tutu Atwell. The idea is that they are going to be able to attack all three levels of the field again, like they did when they had Sammy Watkins, like they did more recently when they had Brandon Cooks and before Jared Goff was afraid to throw the ball past five yards. So that's where the big aspect is going to be when you bring in a Matthew Stafford. Here's the other kicker, and I was kind of surprised to learn this as I'm going through the stats. I'm getting everything projected out. They'll be available on the Belly Up Fantasy Sports website uh, soon, probably within the next month. But as I'm going through this, I was surprised that Jared Goff, for all of his short passing, he doesn't throw it to the running back for some God knows what reason. But Stafford does. And that's where Cam Akers gets exciting, on top of Robert Woods, on top of Cooper Cup. Now you send Goff over to the Lions. I think that's fine for TJ Hawkinson. Look, when you when he's forced to throw the ball to the tight end, he does. You put you if you combine Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby, you're talking about a tight end eight last season. So you you all that goes to TJ Hawkinson, and plus he's a better talent than either one of those guys. So yeah, Hawkinson's gonna be just fine. DeAndre Swift will be just fine. Outside of that, I'm not touching else in Detroit. You're trying to figure out, you know, who's these receivers going to be? Is it gonna be Brashad Perryman? It's gonna be Tyrell Williams. It's gonna be neither one of those guys because why? They run down the field. Golf shows he doesn't want to throw the ball down the field. Anthony Lynn's not gonna force him to throw the ball down the field. So that's why guys St. Brown come in as sleeper types, but even then. I think I'm only going to be touching TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift. Everybody else is kind of a non-factor for me. Yeah. Can't can't argue with that too much at all. Um, 
So I, I guess with that, we can move to Chris. Uh, this is a, a take that is near and dear to my heart as a, a Colts fan. Uh, what do you think about the Carson Wentz trade to the Colts? I think it's gigantic. I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, the Colts found their new luck. Um, and I think teams both lucked out in this deal. Carson Wentz lucked out in the fact that he's got a coach that he was a borderline MVP candidate. Um, and he wanted, you know, before he got injured. And I think that going forward with this offense, the team built around with Frank Reich as his coaching staff, I think that Carson Wentz brings the physical tools that Andrew Luck, you know, pretty much possessed for the Colts for all those years. Andrew Luck was one of the top, you know, five fantasy quarterbacks a year in, year out. Um, so I think Carson Wentz has an excellent opportunity to shoot up a fantasy um, charts this year. I think last year was extreme disappointment for everybody involved. And I think also what it helps do is opens up the door for Jalen Hurts to become a, a top 10 option at quarterback as well. Um, so I think everybody kind of benefits in this move. I think the Colts make out in the fact that they actually have a franchise quarterback moving forward. And finally, the replacement for Lux. I don't think Brissett was that. I don't think Philip Rivers was that. I think Carson Wentz is that. And I also think that, when, like I said, for the Eagles side, you know, they have a clear cut who the number one quarterback is. That's Jalen Hurts. And that's guy's got nice legs. So it's a good fantasy option for both teams. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, someone who I, I think has been uh, underappreciated in the shuffle here and someone who I – you know, I'm really liking for his value right now is Paris Campbell, who I think if healthy, um, you know that uh, Reich and Wentz and just everyone involved on that that Colts offense right now, they're going to use him on those crossing routes as long as he's healthy a lot. And with something that the Colts just haven't had in the last couple of seasons, really since luck, Rivers was willing to do it. He just wasn't that great at it anymore. We finally have someone that will throw the ball deep. And I think that is another – those are the two things that I think Paris Campbell can do. I'm not super high on him as a talent, but I know he can run fast deep, and I know he can run fast across the field. I know he can do those things, and for that reason, I think he could get volume at least relative to where he's getting drafted right now. He is almost for – like, he is free. Get him in the last pick of your draft. I, I yeah. think he could do those things well enough to provide some value as a flex or a bye week kind of guy. That was me Absolutely. doing my Philip Rivers impression, trying to throw it deep. Pray, throw it and pray. No, but I Absolutely. also think that this is the most talented Carson Wentz receiver he's had in a couple of years as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Colts get kind of bashed for their lack of weapons, but when you look at T.Y. Hilton, you talk about Paris Campbell, um, you talk about Pittman. I think they're guys that you know if you put them on the Eagles last year, they're way better than Greg Lewis and Boston Scott. So I think he actually has some actual talent around him, and he should be able to produce accordingly. Greg Ward, Chris, I'm going to scream at you. You always do that. Greg, <laughs> I always think Greg, Greg Ward, Greg Lewis, they're the same player. That's why I always do it. Every they're bums. <laughs> Sorry, Travis Fulcom as well. Ooh, Travis Fulcom. Hey, he's a star receiver this year, apparently. It's all oh, that, wow. it's for, all that for, right for now. Three weeks. For training camp. I mean, who else is going to be? Look at their depth. We were talking about, the, we're talking about this now. <laughs> right. You had Devonta Smith. You got Jalen Ringer. After that, somebody has to be the third starting receiver. Right now, it's Travis Fulgham or Greg Lewis slash Greg, Greg Ward, Ward, according to Chris. But he's a <laughs> slot receiver. So yeah, it's a mess over there as far as that goes. But that's not that's neither here nor there. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. All right. So with, with that out of the way, I guess we can move on to another wide receiver. Uh, Julio Jones has been traded to the Titans. Uh, Dan, what do you think about that? What does that do for everyone involved? Are you tired of talking about this yet? 
No, I, I can't be. I'm going to be talking about this nonstop all the way through the drafts come the last week of September. I mean, this, this is going to be the big topic of the, of the week, and it's the reason why my, I have it at number one. And the re- it's because it affects so much on both Tennessee and Atlanta. It probably affects even more on those two teams, which is why I have it number one, than the quarterback trade does from so many mm-hmm. different angles. I want to start off with the good, though. The good's Calvin Ridley. Now, I don't know where the rep came for this guy that he is only a number two and can't be a number one and can't beat up the other opponent's team, number one corners on a consistent basis. That seems to be a narrative out there is going around right now. I couldn't disagree with him more. First of all, we got a hell of a sample size last year with Julio Jones missing about half the season to see Calvin Ridley in action. Guess what? He was on pace for 180 targets and over 1,700 yards in the absence of Julio Jones. I think he's going to be okay without Julio Jones there. I don't think that's going to be an issue. All right? And unlike Julio, he actually does score touchdowns on top of it. I have him projected out for a huge year. I'm trying to pull it up in front of me right now. I got him for over 144 targets, 100 receptions, 1,300 yards, 7 touchdowns, and that's me being conservative. That's me being conservative on this guy. That is me looking into it as maybe Arthur Smith tries to run the ball a little too much than what he actually should. That's me trying to be conservative on the issue. So Calvin Ridley, wide receiver one, hands down, feel great about him and his capabilities, what he's going to be able to do. Mike Davis, I do think they're going to run a lot more two tight end set because they're kind of like the Eagles. There's no reason to try out three receivers out there. You don't have three receivers to try it out there in the first place. I love how they kind of hype up Russell Gage. Like, oh, he's going to play everywhere. Russell Gage is a bum. So it doesn't really matter there. Hayden Hurst, Kyle Pitts, they're going to do their thing. They're both going to be on the field a lot, which is going to portray to Mike Davis having extra blockers for him to be able to run. I thought it was going to be the anti-Mike Davis this year. That's what I thought it was going to be because so many people are hyping him up. And I'm like, he's a journeyman running back. Usually journeyman running backs who had one successful year and then become starters for a different team the other year usually fall flat on their face. But he's not being valued until the fourth round. I'm like, well, okay, it's Arthur Smith. It's volume. He's going to get touches. And he's going to get touchdowns on top of reception. He's on the depth chart. Yeah, and you see the depth chart behind him. Like, okay, like if, you're, if he's going to be available to me in the fourth, fifth round, totally different story. You're talking about a guy who has a floor as an RB, too. It's not Todd Gurley back there. His knee's not completely gone. So it's a good thing for Mike Davis. What it does for Kyle Pitts, it didn't change much for me. It gave him a few extra targets in my book. It gave him a few extra yards. I'm not going crazy. I don't think it changes the touchdowns at all because Julio didn't score touchdowns to begin with. So I'm not going I'm not going crazy over what it does to Kyle Pitts. On the other side, Tennessee, and I'll try to be quick about this. So I know I'm hogging the mic right now. A.J. Brown, he doesn't go top. I was going to be bold on him and say that he was going to be a top three receiver in fantasy football this year. I had to back off of that, obviously, because now the targets are going to get split back to where it was between him and Corey Davis. But now, all of a sudden, Julio Jones, what the expectation is right now in camp, is that he's going to play the X receiver. That means A.J. Brown gets to do his thing on the flanker and the slot. He'll get to move around. He'll get to do what he does best and see the team's second corner more times than not. So I think both A.J. Brown and Julio have wide receiver one upside. Julio, I'm going to leave. I'm going to have A.J. Brown ranked a little bit ahead of him because Julio still got to see you, A, stay healthy. It's still a new system. See where you're at exactly with with all that stuff. So I'm going to have you more as a top end wide receiver too. But they both have wide receiver one potential, not to mention uh, Derrick Henry is going to have stacked boxes when. I mean, ever. Like It's it's crazy now what you're going to have to – how this offense is not going to stretch defenses thin. And then, of course, Ryan Tannehill comes into the picture. And he's going to get pumped up throughout the summer, so I don't know how long he's going to be a sleeper still. But for right now, he's the top money sleeper for me right next to Jalen Hurts. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've already beat this uh, pretty hard on this show uh, that I am with you. I think the biggest winners of that trade are Mike Davis, Hayden Hurst. Uh, so, like I said, I've already beat that. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, I, I had this as like my second biggest thing here because I think obviously the Titans offense, I think takes another step, honestly, overall. I mean, you look at Ryan Tannehill, who has been fantastic ever since he started in a Titans uniform here. I mean, 55 touchdowns over less than 32 games overall in his career so far with the Titans here. And he went from an upgraded, you know, he went from Corey Davis, who's a fine wide receiver, not a horrible wide receiver. And then you go from that to Julio Jones, probably one of the greatest wide receivers of, of all time here for an entire 16 to 17 game season now here. Ryan Tannehill did what he did when I think he had like 30, a little over 30 uh, touchdowns last year. He's going to see probably see closer to 40 this year, even with a guy like Derrick Henry in this run first offense here because of the way this offense is going to run now. I think A.J. Brown, he might not be a top three wide receiver anymore now, which kind of sucks, but... I mean, if anything, like Dan said, I mean, it just takes the pressure off him. He's just going to do what he's going to do. And probably as long as he can stay healthy for 16 games, that's been his issue. He's not been on the field starting for 16 games in his career. He's on pace for possibly still a top five season, even with Julio on the field. Julio will be just fine. More than like a high-end wide receiver, too. Um, I think it really helps Derrick Henry. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Personally, because, I mean, you just, you have to respect the the passing game at that point. Now, even with Derrick Henry there, if you're going to try to stack the box, you're going to have two wide receivers on the outside who are going to take advantage of that with one-on-one coverages all day. So, at times, they're going to have to lighten up the load on the stack in the box here and cover these two wide receivers here. And then Derrick Henry, when you do that to him, he's going to take advantage himself here. This offense should be great overall here. I'm a big fan of the Titans offense moving forward. Ryan Tannehill, if if he can somehow stay in that round eight or later position, I'd love to draft him. But the hype during camp might push him way too far up. So, mm-hmm. all right, all right. So we will stay in the AFC South. We go from the Colts and Wentz to Julio and the Titans, and now I get to talk about Deshaun Watson, who is my uh, second biggest uh, storyline of the offseason. Hold on, Adam. I just hate what Deshaun Watson did to us this year, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's incredibly disappointed. I'm incredibly disappointed in him. Uh, so we we talked about luck a couple of years ago, what losing him did to the Colts. Uh, the Texans are potentially facing that, and fantasy managers who have Watson are potentially facing something similar, maybe not to the same extent where we're looking at his career being completely gone. But we are certainly looking potentially at not having Deshaun Watson this season. And, 
you know, the everything after that's questionable. We don't know what the future holds for Deshaun Watson. It could be as short as he misses six to eight games this season. He could never play another down. As of right now, we don't know. And he doesn't talk to the NFL about it. Right. Uh, so, you know, if we're talking about someone who just, oh, I don't know, five, four or five months ago was one of the most valuable dynasty assets, period, is now like on like a no fly list. Like we don't know what to do with him. You know, he's going for some people are trying to buy him. Some people are just holding him. Some people it's just like not even worth it. it it's just all over the place. It is one of the potentially most bizarre things outside of like we mentioned, like I compared it to the Andrew Luck retirement or like the Calvin Johnson retirement. Outside of some of these early retirements from key offensive weapons, it's one of the most bizarre things I, I can remember in recent memory that has happened in fantasy. And do you think it makes any uh, basically any Texan undraftable? Or every Texan I mean, undraftable, I should say. I think outside of Cooks, who would you draft? Like, I, I mean, there's guys that, like, yeah, at the right value, you might want to go get, uh, you know, one of the running backs or, you know, uh, someone else. But there's just no one that I – once again, there's no – like I said with the Raiders, there's nobody I would pound the table for outside of Cooks, especially if he's gone. Yeah, I mean, I I actually statted out a full season with Tyrod Taylor because I figured, you know what? They do. If Deshaun Watson does wind up playing, I can go back to that. But with Tyrod mm-hmm. there, it was just such a limited ceiling for really all of these guys. Brandon Cook's the only one that I think is safe no matter what happens. And, mm-hmm. and just by default, I have yeah. him for about 120 targets, over 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. That's a standard Brandon Cook's line, which means it should be a standard wide receiver two type of player, in, in my opinion, even whether it's Tyrod Taylor or whoever. Outside of that, maybe you're looking at Deshaun, uh, David Johnson, maybe. Yeah. If it's the right round, like you said, but other than mm-hmm. that, ugh, I'd rather not partake in Houston. Exactly. It's uh, a bleak, bleak <laughs> look for the uh, the Houston Texans and, like I said, the Sean Watson owners uh, in, in Dynasty. Steve, do you think Deshaun plays? Uh, I mean, we're getting closer and closer now. I mean, we're, we're getting close to July at this point, and there's been no positive – per se trend on him finishing his, you know, this investigation, even though they said then it's going to make a ruling until next year or, or whatever it was. Uh, I want to say, no, I want to say if, if he's, if he's plays this year, he's not playing with the Houston Texans. That's how I see it. Uh, if not, he's sitting this year and it's just going to be unfortunate for all those, especially dynasty owners who mm-hmm. invested in Deshaun Watson. I mean, because the kid's incredible talent, but uh, yeah, the situation is definitely no good. And if you're in redrafts, I, I would just stay away and, just let someone else take that risk because it's just not worth it, honestly, because mm-hmm. you just don't know. He, he could come back for like two games and then the NFL could say, all right, here's your suspension. Boom, out for the rest of the year. There's just no point to worry about that this year. Just keep them off your radars. Yeah, I agree. All right, Chris, what do you have to say about your aptly titled unstoppable attack with Dak back in Dallas? I think one of the key things for Dallas going forward is they're going to be probably one of the best offenses, especially fantasy-wise, that you can go after this year. They have a healthy offensive line. They have three great weapons at receiver. They have Zeke returning, and everything I hear, he looks like he's in good shape, not a fat piece of crap like he was last year. Um, and they got Tony Pollard just in case he is. And I think when you look at that offense in general, 
Dak Prescott was one of the top quarterbacks by far in fantasy last year to kick off the season. Now, granted, the defense should be a little bit better and more improved than it was last year, but you put those kind of weapons with behind that kind of offensive line, and you're looking at one of the a top attack in you know in the offense offensively in football. I think you can basically you can't guard them from anywhere. They have three receivers that can beat one-on-one coverage. You have a running back who's going to demand you know attention, and you have a quarterback who's mobile and can throw the ball accurately. I think overall, all those guys can eat, and I think Dak Prescott could be one of the top quarterbacks again in fantasy football this year. And I, like I said, targets make out Dallas guys as you kind of can. Um, Michael Gallup might be the only guy who doesn't eat consistently, but even then, a couple of years ago, with the Rams earlier on, we saw Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, and Woods be able to eat with a decent quarterback play. Imagine a really good quarterback play behind a good offensive line, which you can get. Yeah. Well, Chris, to, you, to your point, Michael Gallup was still getting 20 yards per you know a target. I mean, he was getting targeted Absolutely. down the field. He, he still actually had an okay season. Just you have to, with, when it comes to Michael Gallup, I'm just going to talk about him because the rest of them, I kind of speak for themselves. Like you want these guys on your team, but with Gallup, like if you just take him as a wide receiver four that you can play in your flex, play as a plug-in, he's going to be very valuable there. He's not irrelevant when it comes to fantasy. Everyone just kind of bypasses him, but he's really not. Mm-hmm. He's like that boomer bust wide receiver four. Like he will have yeah. certain games where he goes off for 150. And then there would be a lot of games, unfortunately, where he's the third, fourth guy on the team in terms of targets, and it just doesn't work out for him that week. That's that's kind of what he is right now as, like, the third he target. He kind of reminds me of, like, a James Jones in Green Bay, where it was kind of like you never knew which one you were going to get, but from week to week he could win you a game. So he's a guy that you can kind of plug in. Depending on matchups, you can see kind of that key matchup in that third corner. Who's he matched up against? He might eat all day that day. I was going to say, you play him against the Giants or the Eagles all season long this year. I, I, I wouldn't hesitate <laughs> exactly. at all. Where's Maddox on the Eagles? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What, Chris, who do you think uh, ends up being the starting tight end for the, the Cowboys? That was a, a pretty solid uh, waiver pickup for a lot of guys getting, um, you know, getting a starting tight end, a, a tight end one technically. Uh, on waivers after the Blake Jarwin injury. So who, which which guy do you think uh, ends up on top? I do think it's going to be Schultz. I don't think Jarwin's – I think a lot of people have been trying to hype up Jarwin for the last couple of years. I don't think he's nearly as talented. I think that he's basically a one-trick pony, so I think it's going to be Schultz going into the season. It's not what the beat writers are saying right now, just so you know. I know, but we, how long have we heard about Blake Jarwin having his breakout year every year? For how long now? I don't know that the tight end position is relevant for the Cowboys. Someone has to get left out. And I feel yeah. like the tight end, why would it not be the tight end position? What do you think, Steve? I mean, it, it could be, but I still think that you have an opportunity for, you know, him to be productive here and in here out because we, uh, we all talk about tight ends are kind of a dime a dozen right now unless you have a top tier one. So it's kind of hard. In the all right matchup, you can, you're going to probably have to plug, play it, whoever's starting there that week. I think it's going to be a mix between you're going to see the tight end go off one week and Michael Gallup go off the other week. Whoever is the third option that week is going to see work, and it just depends on the match and everything. Personally, I believe Blake Jarwin is going to get an opportunity at least one more time uh, to get the starting job. I mean, yeah, he's been a while. Chris, like you said, he's you know he's we've been talking about him as a possible breakout, but last year was the real, I think, first year. They're like, all right, Jason Witten uh, is gone now. He's not coming back to the Cowboys. Jarwin, we sure. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was showing off kind of well in that very first game and it's just an unfortunate knee injury they paid him to be there unless they cut him in camp he's probably going to be the starting tight end and probably the most productive guy there i tend uh, to agree with you steve I, I think blake jarwin is going to get one more shot i didn't see anything out of dalton schultz that made me feel like he deserved to run away with his job in any kind of capacity or anything like that 
but ultimately I kind of have him statted out where I don't know if I care too much. There's gonna, he's going to be either way. It's going to be a dime a dozen guy. To your point, they have that big week. They're going to blow up on the way everybody's waiver wire segments and everybody's going to be like, oh, that's right. Yeah, you're not actually involved in the offense. Whoops. It's going to be kind of one of those deals. Absolutely. All right, Dan, we conveniently both, uh, as our, our third biggest storyline, have the Chiefs fixing the offensive line. What do you have to say about that? You can go first, buddy. You haven't talked yet. <laughs> yeah, so I mean – there's just so much really that you could go with here. What does this do with Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Uh, does Mahomes put up numbers closer to 2018 than, uh, than his last two years? Um, and then what does that mean for, for the other receivers on the roster? Because uh, you know, uh, Mahomes will make it past his second or third read a lot more often if he gets a lot more time uh, overall. Like I, I don't know. I think that especially uh, Mahomes and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but this could sneakily be good for pretty much everyone. Even uh, Tyreek Hill could get more deep shots since you know they can actually hang out in the pocket and and take those a little more often. Yeah, it all lends that. Patrick Mahomes last year was twenty first in in pass pass protection around him. Mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, while I have my personal issues with him, forty fifth. 45th in the run support that he got for out of running backs. And he still had 4.4 yards to carry. So when you add all that up to what should be, could should be a top three offensive line, could be the best offensive line in all of football. That scary thought gets placed in your head. What if Patrick Holmes now all of a sudden is top five in protection? What if Clyde edwards Lair is now in the top 10 of run support? Now all of a sudden these guys' ceilings can go through the roof. The Clyde edwards now you can imagine his ceiling rising. Patrick Holmes, where his ceiling rising more? How could that possibly be? What could that actually look like? Travis Kelsey broke records last year. Tyreek Hill was phenomenal last year. You're telling me we can get more out of these guys? The, the one I think it benefits the most outside of Mahomes and Edwards Hilaire is the one that no one's talking about, which is whoever's going to be that next receiver to replace Sammy Watkins, whether it's Mikael Harmer, Demarcus Robinson, or whoever winds up being. That's the guy who I think it benefits the most because that guy will be a wide receiver three with a floor. That's what we're going to be talking about with that guy, whoever that winds up being. we got to wait for training mm-hmm. camp to really find, figure it out. I lean more towards Demarcus Robinson whenever they've had the opportunity to play somebody out there. It's been Robinson. He's a little bit of a better actual wide receiver. So I, I tend to lean that way. But whoever that winds up being, that's going to be the guy who winds up being the X factor. And we just get to sit back and watch the show when it comes to everybody else of what this could possibly mean. Yeah, <laughs> that offense for sure is going to be absolutely something. Uh, Chris, do you have anything on that? Yeah, I mean, I just think that one thing we did see Patrick Mahomes not be his number one quarterback the last two years in fantasy football. And I think that we're definitely going to see the opportunity because he's been banged up. He's been getting hit. And I think that kind of goes away. I agree with 100% with the Edward Hilaire point. I think he's going to have a breakout season according, as a result of the offensive line improvements. But I think the, the biggest beneficiary is Patrick Mahomes. You're not going to worry about him playing on one foot out there. You're not going to worry about him taking shots. I think you're going to look at a guy who's going to be in week in, week out. And he's going to put up the phenomenal numbers. I think we get back to Patrick Mahomes we had a couple of years ago. Absolutely. All right. We'll get one more storyline before we get to a little ad break. Uh, Steve, what do you have to say about the Jags drafting Trevor Lawrence, potentially one of the best quarterback prospects since Andrew Luck? Right, right. And I, I picked this one is, is because – 
you look at the Jags last decade or so now, and outside of that one season where they got to the NFC Championship game here, the quarterback situation has been rough. And even in that season, Blake Bortles was not a great quarterback. He just did everything just fit into the right situation here. If you look at their quarterback situation, I mean, you can't say any of those guys were real franchise quarterbacks over the years. I mean, you bring in, you know, when they drafted uh, Blake Bortles, everyone was talking to him about the being the next guy. They were like, oh, he's he's a great, he's a good quarterback. He's not the next guy. They had Blaine Gabbert a couple of years before that, I think, or before whatever, whenever it was. No one ever talked to him about being the the next big franchise quarterback. And you bring in Trevor Lawrence, who people have been talking about for the last three seasons, ever since he's come into college as the next big guy. Yeah, I really like him. I don't know if he's going to be the you know, the big, big next guy like an Andrew Luck, but I think he's going to be a really good quarterback in this league here. And he's someone who I think will command this offense really well and, you know, the coaching staff is the only thing that has my concerns. You know, Urban Meyer, can he succeed in the NFL? That's yet to be seen. But you bring a quarterback who is smart, who can make all the throws in the league and won't turn the ball over consistently like thousands of Jags have done in the past year. <laughs> and you put an offense that's, for the most part, pretty, you know, pretty good. I mean, the wide receiver core is pretty decent overall. They have two strong running backs in that backfield here now. I mean, the tight end position isn't really there. But – in terms of a lot of teams, this is a pretty pretty solid offensive core. And you bring in Trevor Lawrence here, a guy who can change a locker room, I think, personally, and kind of bring more of that, you know, winning mentality or just like, you know, not playing bad. Like, let's go out there and win. I have championship pedigree under my belt here for winning national championships. I just think he's going to make this team better. And the Jags, they might not make the playoffs this year, but they're a team that eventually will be on the rise because of a guy like Trevor Lawrence heading the quarterback position. Steve, I yeah. want to know what's your, what's your estimation on what his effects going to be on the backfield between a Travis Etienne and a James Robinson. Who are you leaning towards? Um, in PPR, I'm leaning towards Travis Etienne. I mean, just everything I'm hearing personally, I mean, he's going to get worked in the passing game. He has a, you know, a history with Travis Etienne here that if he gets into trouble, he knows that he's going to be able to dump it off to Travis Etienne. And I think when the time, when the game gets into those close situations where they're trying to hurry up, they're not going to have James Robinson and they're going to have Travis Etienne, someone he's familiar with in that backfield to, to give him that comfort level that he needs to succeed in his first year. So I think, you know, Lawrence, he's going to have his carries overall that might take away from these guys, especially in the goal line, possibly, you know, he's a tall guy. He could probably just lift over the, the line and just put the ball in the end zone. So that could impact them slightly. But I think Travis Etienne is the guy you're going to want, but just don't sleep on James Robinson. Still. I think he could still be somewhat of a, an RB three high end RB three, because I think they're not going to just give Travis Etienne 260 carries off the bat. I think it's going to be at least this year, somewhat of a split backfield until proven otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to agree with that. I, I think people are kind of just bypassing James Robinson at this point. And, fr- and frankly, Travis Etienne's I, he's a guy who might not get 200 carries this season and still be a hell of a fantasy value, but he might not reach that mark. And that's going to be because James Robinson is going to be involved to some degree. And I think people are just kind of bypassing that. They kind of got swept up in this rookie running back thing where it's like, Oh, you're the new hot flavor. We just forget about the old guy who's been there, who is going to be involved. And I just see that happening in a lot of situations. So Robinson's I'm glad you brought up because Robinson's somebody who I think is getting completely left out of the picture but will have some value. I think he's more valuable than James Conner, who I think is in a similar situation. Yeah. Well, and to your point, the Jaguars' defense is not all that great. Uh, Travis Etienne will get in, uh, as you were saying, a lot of those times in those close games, late in the game, 
uh, just being in those past situations just because they're going to be in a lot of those situations assuming the offense does what I think we expect it to. All right. Uh, with that being said, uh, can we get the uh, Alex's lemonade stand read from Chris? Um, hold on one second, buddy. Words on paper <laughs> cannot find well, them. I didn't know I was reading that one. That was my fault. If you look at the graphic up here, you have 204 teams, 17 leagues. <laughs> you go ahead, just keep going. Jump in so there. For, yeah, go ahead. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> $20 entry fee. So basically what's going to happen is we're having a huge best ball. Steve's actually got one of the fantasy analysis who actually just uh, signed up. But he's going to have him. We're going to have others you're going to be able to compete against, other fans, all that stuff. Basically, what we're doing is we're putting together the biggest best ball format we've ever put together. And we're saying $20 entry fee with a possibility of winning up to $1,200 coming first place. It's $400 for second. You win your money back if you happen to win your league, which is going to be 17 leagues, all named after a childhood cancer hero from Alex's Lemonade Stand. We can bring awareness about their stories and the type of people that they are helping by us doing tournaments like this and creating a bunch of donation money to hand over to them. So we're going to be able to give them over a $2,000 donation with this tournament, along with being able to give you guys all these cash prizes. And it'll just be a fun event to have. It's going to be on sleeper. We're going to have the drafts about mid August. We're going to be a slow draft to make sure everybody has plenty of time to be able to get their best ball uh, teams put together before the season starts, but it's going to be a great time. I guys, I urge you it's $20. And that $20 will help goes towards a donation. And if you wind up winning, you want to make making a profit on top of it. And you can compete against a bunch of guys who are really good at fantasy football. So you can get some bragging rights on top of it. If you do really well, it's going to be a really good time. So I hope you guys all come over, sign up. All you got to do is go to bellyupfantasysports.com slash bellyupbowl. It's in the link wherever you're watching this on your social media accounts right now. And just sign up, sign the form, and we'll get back to you as soon as we possibly can. But we're really excited to be with Alex's Lemonade Stand on this uh, big charity event that we have going on this year. All right. Well, Chris, since we lost you on the ad read there, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you talk about Najee Harris uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, what does this mean for for him, the rest of the Steelers? What's going on over there? So I don't know if you guys remember a Saturday Night Live skit that was called I Need More uh, Bell. I mean, more Cowbell. So I think if that we have you have to be at least 10 years old because there's no way you don't <laughs> well, it's true. Um, but there, I think one of the things that's really cool is that we're going to have another bell cow in Pittsburgh. And I think as we've been looking for for the last couple of years, and in fantasy football, the key thing is always find that RB1. And I think that Najee Harris is going to add another RB1 to the mix. I think that when you look at what he brings to the table, he brings a lot of things that Le'Veon Bell brought to the table. Um, he can catch the ball. He can run the ball. We know Pittsburgh likes to feature a top running back if they can. Mike Tomlin has kind of a history of having you know a featured back um, or a lead back, I should say. And I think that we have a lot of, you know, rumors last couple of years, who's going to get the third down jobs, who's going to split carries, was it Benny Snell, was it Jalen Samuel, blah, 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 blah. I think clearly it's Najee Harris is the man in the backfield. I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to lean on him a lot more uh, with Ben kind of aging. I think people kind of overreact to how Ben ended the year last year in a lot of ways. I think they basically could turn around and hand the ball off. That's why they didn't run the ball as much as they wanted to. I think he couldn't do anything but being shotgun. I think this year he'll be a little bit more healthy. I think Najee Harris will be – a key beneficiary of that as a, as a result as well. 
think Matt Canada taking over as an offensive coordinator, you're going to move away from kind of having that all Ben all the time kind of show and kind of move forward to more of a balanced attack, which Pittsburgh historically has pretty good well with. Um, so I think that Najee Harris, particularly with those weapons, is going to have a be able to eat. He's going to have no. He's not going to see eight or nine in the box very often. Um, you got Deon, you know Deon, Deonta Johnson. You got Claypool. You got Juju coming back for another year. Um, you add Ebron. They added some weapons to the tight end in the draft. So I think overall, when you look at Pittsburgh, their offense should be really effective. And I think Najee Harris is going to kind of be that man that you know they're able to kind of ride that rides that offensive wave in a sense. Uh, many have been concerned about that offensive line, especially how they're how putrid it was last year. What would you say to those who are, are concerned about the, the Steelers' offensive line in regards to Najee Harris? Uh, two things. Number one, I think that you look at the draft pick of Green at center, I think that's going to be crucial. Pouncey kind of lost things last couple – lost his kind of a step last couple of years and has been nearly as effective. I think that when you have a good center, traditionally you have a good running game. Too. Um, so I think Najee Harris' ability to run between the tackles is going to benefit from having a good center. And then I also think that he's going to continue to be able to catch the ball no matter what. So even if there's not, he's not getting effective yards between the tackles or you know getting a running plays he's looking for, he's always going to have volume week in week out. Whether he's getting the ball as a handoff or getting the ball thrown to him, so I think that's where he has a great floor. And I also think he has incredible, tremendous upside because, like I said, look at that Pittsburgh offense; it's pretty much loaded. They have a lot of weapons. He's got an opportunity to score. He's going to have a lot of guys. He's not going to see, like I said, eight or nine in the box very often. So he's going to have a chance to, once he gets to that second level to make a lot of big plays. Absolutely. Uh, Steve, what would, who would you rather have long term between Harris or or Etienne? I'd probably say Harris, uh, and it's mostly because, and I think Etienne could just be just as good in in the NFL as well. Um, it, it's me. It's it's the history of the team in general. You know, the Steelers have been a team who have been really good with quarterbacks over their careers. I mean, mm-hmm. running backs over their careers here. And the team is still set up for the most part to compete. Um, and we talked about the Jags and they're up and coming. We don't know what's going to happen with them. We don't know if they're going to take that step and be a team that can be a consistent option week in and week out. You know, the Steelers are a franchise that have always been really good. Whether Big Ben's not there the following years, we don't know yet, which is probably much the case. They're going to probably lean on the running back at that point, and there's no split backfield like you have in, J- in Jacksonville right now. You have Najee Harris. He is the running back there. Benny Snell is just a guy who at times can run over a person from time <laughs> to time. You have Anthony McFarlane, who is just an athlete. You have Najee Harris, a healthy player who can run and catch the ball very well on both levels here. So if I had to pick one, Najee, but I know people like Travis Etienne because he is younger. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. 
Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, absolutely. I would have to join you on the Harris train. Speaking of a franchise that has a, a history of success with a particular position, but has not found one a lot recently, Dan, what do you think about these Patriots tight ends? Yeah, I had number four on my list. And not just because of the tight ends themselves, and I'll, I'll go into that, but Cam Newton, who looks like he's going to have the upper hand. Now, I don't think it's right. I think they should just say, hey, you know what? We're not going to Super Bowl. Probably not even going to the playoffs. You might as well just go with Mac Jones and get the offense moving in the direction you're going to be moving in in 2022 anyway. But it seems like they're going to give Cam a shot. Cam was QB 16 last year with new one. I mean, new one. Wide receiver, tight end, wide. it did not matter. So Cam is going to be very much a sleeper quarterback for me who can definitely get inside the top 12 when you add his rushing ability. And the fact that now he's going to have guys to throw the ball to. The tight ends are going to be the focus point of this offense. Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne. What are you kidding me? Yeah, it's going to be all Janu Smith, all Hunter Henry. And then it goes to the tight end position. What do we just talk about when we're talking about with Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz and, and the tight ends, Cowboys? You need valuable guys. Janu Smith and Hunter Henry are both going to be top 10 guys. I, I have no doubt that they will both finish in the top 10. So you're getting more tight ends and more reliable situations, situations where they've proven to be able to utilize two tight ends. It was Jock McDaniels back in the day when Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. They know how to use these guys. So they're going to be very, very effective, especially in the red zone. This is going to be rivaling Tennessee Titans for the top red zone offense in the league, frankly, in my opinion, when you, when you get into what this impact could possibly be. The other thing I want to add in here, though, right now, ADP-wise, Hunter Henry's actually ahead of Janu Smith. That's a mistake. Janu Smith's going to be the number one target of this team, not just because he has a little bit of a better contract, but Bill Belichick has been on Janu Smith for forever. That's who they went after first. Hunter Henry is somebody they got because he was available and there wasn't really any better pass catchers they were going to get at that point. So why not just go ahead with an identity at that stage? Is Janu Smith going to be ahead of Hunter Henry in that sense? But both are going to be top 10. And a big reason why the tight end position in general should not be the ghost town outside the top five that it has been, especially last year, but the past couple of years, frankly. Yeah, I absolutely agree that John o. Smith is the tight end to own in uh, in New England. To me, I just think he, he's more athletic. He's the one that I think is going to be used as more of that uh, prototypical move tight end. I think, uh, you know, a, as you talked about the the Gronk Hernandez, to me, John o. Smith is the one that could get the, the more fun Hernandez role uh, that they had, you know, uh, when they had both of them. Uh, Steve, what do you think about those two? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look over a season long, Jonah Smith is, is definitely the guy you're going to want. Uh, I mean, what they can do with him on the offense is, is unmatched. Uh, but I wouldn't discount Hunter Henry whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I, I think he can be a consistent option. He might not be someone who does amazing week in and week out, but he flirts with that borderline tight end one, tight end two, I think weekly, because I think he can do a lot of great things and he'll be used in the red zone often. While Jonah Smith, I think he has that upside to his game there. The floor, I think at times could not be there. That's kind of how I feel about Jonah Smith, but I think over a season long, you'll be happy for a guy who could end up easily finishing as a top eight, top nine tight end in fantasy because of his ability to do things with the ball, especially when he gets it after his hand. I mean, there's not a lot of running backs. I don't running backs, tight ends. Uh, I can remember who can take the ball out of the backfield and, 
I think he ran like 50 yards with the Titans that one game there was like, that doesn't happen too often. So I have to go with Jonu. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, uh, quick question. Yeah. Are there any wide receivers on the Patriots? How many, if any, Patriots wide receivers would you take over either of the Patriots tight ends in fantasy? How about absolutely zero? None. <laughs> I, would de- I would definitely target the tight ends. I think that if you're looking for a receiver in that group, maybe you look at a Myers or maybe possibly an Aguilar, but I think either one's going to have like week-to-week production like they did similar to last year. I think the keys are going to be the tight ends. And I think that both of them, as Dan kind of pointed out, could be highly productive. I mean, it wasn't just Aaron Hernandez and Gronk. We saw Michael Bennett and Gronk be productive as well. And mm-hmm. So I think that you see a system that's built for two tight ends in a lot of ways. They're going to get Janu Smith on a lot of different linebackers. They're going to get Hunter Henry in the middle and may attack the seams. And they can do a lot of, do a lot of things that Gronk did for, in their offense before. So I think that both of them pairing is a, a great pairing in a sense because I think you have a guy who's a great athlete and you have another guy who's a great ability to you know block and also use his body really well. So I think both the guys are going to be high productive, way more productive than the receiving core will be for New England, particularly if Cam's a quarterback because I don't think Cam would throw outside the, outside the hashes right now. So let's <laughs> <laughs> assume a shot. The Philip Rivers thing you guys were showing earlier, they were doing really <laughs> Philip Rivers. That's kind of that's kind of Cam seven yards outside the pocket. Well, and that's why they need to move. They just need to move the Mac Jones. Like, like why? Why are we even wasting our time at this point? You're not going. If you make it to the playoffs, but you're not going to the Super Bowl, and I don't even see you make it to the playoffs. Yep, I, I, I have to agree there. All right, so on to to my fourth uh, fourth take here, the Saints quarterback room uh, is something that I find fascinating because in leagues where different people own each one, whoever owns the loser is really going to get burned. Whoever owns the winner potentially has a, a league winning type of uh, player in with them. I think whoever wins the starting job is going to be a high-end QB2 to potentially a low-end QB1. Uh, either way, I think, uh, you know, Jameis if he's the starter, he's going to throw a lot. He's going to throw a lot of touchdowns. He might throw some picks, but just by pure volume, I think he's going to be a highly relevant, like I said, high-end QB2 to low-end QB1. And then Taysom Hill, you know, he may uh, hurt someone like Kamara, uh, but his own rushing ability will keep him in the mix for being uh, that, you know, high-end QB1, low-end QB2. And then whoever's, especially if, if say, if Taysom wins the job, then Jameis has almost no value. And if uh, Jameis wins the job, Taysom's value will be week to week ish. We don't really know. He could, you know, end up in a, a more productive role than what he had with Drew Brees. He could end up just sitting on the bench. We don't know. Uh, and then there's also what that means for some very uh, important, very valuable assets in both redraft and dynasty in Michael Thomas and, uh, like I said, Alvin Kamara. What, you know, uh, Taysom Hill, if he's the starter, that could hurt Camaro, but it, it could be a little better maybe for uh, Michael Thomas. So we'll get a lot more of those short, you know, I have my one read, it's Michael Thomas, I'm going to throw to him. Whereas, you know, Jameis Winston may be a little more willing to uh, sling it deep to someone else. Um, and they, they may, you know, run a little bit more with Camaro with Jameis. So both of those quarterbacks help out someone else on the offense a little more. Both of them hurt someone else in the offense. And like I said, whoever owns, whoever doesn't get the starting job in, say, a dynasty league or even takes a chance on them late 
in a draft will get burned and whoever gets the starter, if that's, if whoever starts for the saints is your QB two, you could have a league winner on your hands. Uh, Dan, what's your take there? Uh, I mean, for me, it, it's going to have to be James Winston. I, I don't see a scenario where Taysom Hill can actually be the starting quarterback, but with Winston, I actually think that's better for Michael Thomas because maybe he actually gets on the ball more than four yards down the field now. But Michael Thomas is a good receiver. He mm-hmm. can run any route. He can get open anywhere on the field. So the, the thought of Taysom Hill being better, I kind of disagree with. But on top of it, your one read thing's correct. It just doesn't matter where quarterback it is because there's nobody else to throw the ball to. I mean, Adam Troutman, one of my sleepers. Great. Cool. Still a tight end. Okay, there's no other receiver to target down the field. So I'm hoping it's Jameis Winston because I would actually like Michael Thomas to get more than 10 yards, 9 yards per catch. That'd be nice to see. So that's that's the way I'm leaning towards that. I also think there's just no way you can, Sean Payton can look us in the eye and say that Taysom Hill is a better thrower of the football than Jameis Winston. I don't care what your problems are with him from an interception standpoint, anything like that. It's not close when it comes to that. He can have his little role. You need him in a pinch, fine. But it's Jameis all the way for me, and I think that would be great. That would be the best scenario for the rest of the Saints players like Kamara, like Michael Thomas, and Adam Troutman, who I'll be talking about quite a bit throughout the offseason. Steve, Chris, do either of you uh, disagree there, especially on between the two quarterbacks? I mean, I definitely go with Jameis Winston. I think should be the starting quarterback, and I think that he'd be the best fantasy-wise option for the Saints. I think when it comes to all the all the player, you know, players involved, as Dan pointed out, I think Michael Thomas definitely benefits if, if James Winston's the quarterback. I think he's going to continue to be featured. We saw Mike Evans be used quite a lot. I think Michael Thomas brings a very similar skill set, and I don't think that he's going to necessarily fade away. If, you know, if Taysom Hill is not the starter, Alvin Kamara is the big thing for me. Where I, I can't understand this ridiculous notion that because Drew Brees is gone, suddenly Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara aren't nearly as valuable as they have been. Um, I think they're more valuable. I think the biggest thing that you're going to see change is that that Sean Pete can actually call plays beyond 10 yards down the field. Um, I think that one of the things we saw, you know, Drew Brees pretty much have really struggled with the last couple of years is his arm strength, his ability to push the ball down the field. Whether or not the, so the second receiver in offense, there's been a second receiver in offense for a long time. But we've seen Robert Meachums, we've seen Debbie Hendersons, we've seen guys in the past at least have that speed that you can take a threat and push to push guys out. I think James Winston brings that that element back to the Saints in a lot of ways. And it's going to have the guys like Traquan Smith or Callaway or whoever on the other side is going to be able to kind of open up a lot of things for Kamara and for Michael Thomas. And I think that you're going to see Sean Payton coach his butt off. I think Sean, and I think I said, I think I 100% agree with you with Jameis Winston. If he's, he's your second quarterback on your roster, you're going to be sitting pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. It, it's definitely Jameis Winston for sure. Um, I mean, with Michael Thomas, I mean, I think no matter what happens, I think he's a safe option no matter what happens, even if it's Taysom Hill there. He's the only option really there. I think with Jameis, though, you open up the ability to have other fantasy impact guys like Trotman, maybe Smith, maybe Callaway. But if it's just Hill, it's just going to be Michael Thomas. With Winston, you have a an opportunity, I think, with him to open up other guys to possibly take a leap forward uh, this coming season. And I think you have to go with Jameis. He, he's clearly the better thrower of the two. Absolutely. And, Steve, we will stay with you. Uh, as a, a dynasty Chris Carson owner, I am excited to hear what you have to say about him re-signing with the Seattle Seahawks. 
Yeah, so for his own impactfulness, I mean, he could have went to a different, couple different places here for sure. He could have went to Miami, could have went to the Falcons possibly here. But I think for him personally, going back to Seattle makes the most sense, and it just impacts his value, and I think it, it keeps his offense Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. BetFred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the BetFred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Going. Because you don't have a new running back in Seattle now. They didn't have a first round pick or second round pick in, in this year's draft. Or, you know, they didn't have an opportunity to get one of these good running backs in this draft here. And then you bring back Chris Carson, who is a stud. He's underrated completely. I mean, he is someone who fits this offense very well. They know they can trust and rely on him. You can't rely on Rashad Penny, who's barely played over the last three seasons. DJ Dallas, he's an okay guy. I just don't see him ever being a guy who takes that next level. Travis Homer, I mean, he's a guy I think will be a journeyman throughout his career possibly. But Chris Carson, when he's on the field and healthy, and for the most part he is. He's got a couple games where he's missed, and I get it. But he is someone who runs the ball very well and brings a different kind of level to this offense here that Russell Wilson can build off of. And I think – you have to have a strong run game in Seattle. You just need to. If they're going to run the ball, they need to have a strong run game. They just can't let Russ – I mean, they can, but they're not going to let Russ cook consistently. You need to have some kind of balance to this offense here that will open up the passing game in general. So I think Chris Carson coming back, someone who knows his offense very well, is is just going to make things good for him because now he's an RB2 pretty much in redraft, someone that you can rely on, or if you go zero RB early on, I would be okay having him as my RB1. Um, so, and then you just keep the offense moving with the passing game, having Chris Carson back there. So I, I would a- absolutely agree with that. A little off topic. Got to ask, what are your thoughts on the Seattle's second round pick, uh, Dwayne Eskridge? Uh, Dwayne Eskridge. I mean, I liked him a lot. Uh, he had a lot of talent, uh, a lot of, like, he has a lot, he's a big upside to his game here. Um, I just don't know if, Wilson is going to get three wide receivers to fantasy relevance enough. That's mm-hmm. my big thing. He may be someone who eventually gets into that role, possibly after Tyler Lockett maybe leaves after two years from now. I think his, that's when his out in his contract is. I think it's two or three years. He may not be a guy who's just off the bat, like, oh, you got to have him on your, on your redraft teams. He's a great dynasty stash and hold and see if he gets into this offense better, but he isn't somebody off the bat personally. I think this is his, it's Lockett and Metcalf. I'll have moments because you, he's going to play that third receiver slot. And I think he was definitely an upgrade over uh, David Moore, who's just a guy. Um, and David Moore at times had fantasy relevance over the last couple of seasons. So mm-hmm. Eskridge is, is faster and I think can do more. He might not be a guy who ends up as a RB, a wide receiver three at the end of the year, but he'll have moments that he's startable at times in a flex position. 
currently in uh, in redraft uh, ADP. Chris Carson is ahead of David Montgomery, Montgomery, and below James Robinson and Miles Sanders. Uh, I guess I'll I'll ignore the David Montgomery part. Would you rather have Chris Carson, James Robinson, or Miles Sanders? And we'll we'll go with uh, Dan here. Yeah, Chris Carson is not really even a contest. I mean, Miles Sanders, we don't know if he's even going to be the lead back for Philadelphia next season. And James Robinson, we already know he's on his way out. And that, that's that's pretty much a given, whether you know, wise by the end of this year or into next year. Uh, it, the, there's a lot of question marks when it comes to James Robinson, where he's going to be and what his role is ever going to be. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Steve, since you're on a little bit of a <clears throat> excuse me time crunch here, uh, we'll we'll get to your sleeper offseason move real quick. Uh, Kyle Rudolph signing with the Giants. Uh, what was your take there? And that can kind of lead us into my Giants take. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, and I slightly stole this from uh, from another analyst, uh, Steffi Smalls from FTN. She was on my uh, podcast last week here, and she mentioned this. And I was I started doing some research in it because I was like, all right, that kind of makes sense here. So with Kyle Rudolph, guys, I mean, yeah, no one really thought about Kyle Rudolph as a potential and even possibly as a draft guy right now. But you look away, this offense is built here. I mean, Kenny Galladay, I mean, he at times is injured. Evan Ingram at times is injured. Um, I mean, Saquon's had his injuries. Sterling Shepard is always in and out of the lineup here. So I feel like there could be moments this year that Kyle Rudolph, and it could be someone he has a, a really strong role in this offense because Jason Garrett's the offensive coordinator. And Jason Garrett, over the years, has worked well with one guy, Jason Witten. And I think Kyle Rudolph can kind of do similar things to Jason Witten here. And I think if Evan Ingram doesn't fit the style that they kind of want to go with or he gets injured, which is very possible, uh, I think Kyle Rudolph could end up making a big impact for himself and just keep this team going into some extent here. And I think Kyle Rudolph has an opportunity to see, you know, and it might not be great. He might not finish as a tight end one or anything, but the possibility of three, 400 yards and five touchdowns that make him somewhat of a bi-week replacement week in and week out throughout the redraft season. Uh, I think that could be a possibility. And that's kind of why I have as a sleeper because it, again, it could not happen very easily, but I, I think that could happen based on the way that they kind of want to have that more typical prototypical type of tight end. And Kyle Rudolph is that guy. Yeah. And uh, to your point, I think most of us would agree that if Ingram's out, or even like you said, Galladay, uh, that Ru- Rudolph quickly becomes a very interesting uh, waiver wire option. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he'll be fine in waiver wire given certain situations. Everyone's going to be streaming tight ends left and right if you don't want the top five ones, normally speaking, anyway. So, yeah, in that scenario, he might have some value, but he needs a lot of things, I think, to happen for him to be valuable, too, at the same time. I think his bigger impact, honestly, is going to be his ability to block. When they go two tight end sets, helping out Saquon Barkley, I think he's going to maybe make a bigger impact for Saquon in that running game uh, than he will in his own right in any capacity, really. Yeah. Uh, well, and that that kind of leads me uh, to what my uh, fifth little take here was, is the status of Daniel Jones. Uh, this is clearly, I think, the best offense they put around him. Uh, I think, you know, we see a dynasty asset that is a, you know, a, a quarterback, a starting quarterback that people probably at one point or another have had to give up, you know, a good value to get. Um, and this is it. I think if he fails this year, then it's over. 
But if he doesn't, if he he's another guy similar to Jameis Winston, a little riskier, but nonetheless, if he's your QB two and things work out how on the upside how they could, then he could be a you know really key piece in in winning teams because he has the, the tools around him to be a highly productive quarterback. Uh, Steve, I guess this will probably be your last opportunity to speak. So what do you think about Daniel Jones and what the, the weapons around him uh, could mean for his third season? I mean, yeah, I mean, th- this is the season he needs to put it all together. I mean, he's shown us flashes definitely at times that he can be a starting quarterback in this NFL, but he's shown us more times than not that he's, he's turnover prone and he just hasn't got it done. But you're right. This is the best possible offense he's had around him. Give him a pro you know, typical wide receiver one in Kenny Galladay. Saquon is back, and they haven't played a ton of games together over the, his career so far, so mm-hmm. that's helpful. And then you have Slade, who ends up more of a two. You have Sterling Shepard. You have uh, Kadarius Tony there as well. You have Evan Ingram. You have Rudolph. You have the best possible team around him. The O-line, still question marks. But, yeah, I mean, if everything clicks right, which it could very much so, he we could be talking him as a, you know, top 15 fantasy quarterback this year if – Everyone can stay healthy. I think that's a big key factor. And if he just cuts down on the turnovers, he could be set up for fantasy success that you're getting deep in your drafts this year. Very deep. Absolutely. I don't think he knows how to hold on the ball to ever cut down the turnovers. I mean, I've never seen somebody fumble the ball the way that he does. I, uh, late Eagles Vic would be the only, uh, the only comparison I have there. Uh, Chris, do you have any faith in, in Daniel Jones? Um, not particularly. I mean, I think Daniel Jones brings a little bit of a skill set in the fact that he can run and he can throw a little bit. Um, I think that it gives him some of what of a floor with the weapons you kind of talked about around them. He should could be successful. I do think Kyle Rudolph is going to be big for him in a lot of ways because I think it also helps with pass protection, which could help reduce some of those turnovers. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that that's going to be one of the key things is can they protect Daniel Jones on a consistent basis? And it's, is he kind of going to be able to you know, stand in the pocket and make those throws. But I think also I'm kind of concerned about is Jason Garrett still the coach? And I think as long as Jason Garrett's the coach, I don't know how much all those players are going to help because I feel like he has a, he's done a poor job um, being in New York and probably, you know, the last couple of years in Dallas of being able to utilize more than a couple weapons here or there. I think Saquon returning is going to be huge, but I also think he's going to be the feature part of their offense. And I think that as a result, I wonder how much Daniel Jones gets the opportunity to, to, to succeed and put up fantasy numbers, or is he's going to be kind of a guy who they ask not to turn the ball over, make a play here or there. I cannot disagree there. All right, uh, Steve, uh, I believe your time is up. Is that is that correct? It is, unfortunately. I have a All right. Yes. Tell, tell, tell the people where they can follow you at, uh, where you're going now, and uh, you know what you've got uh, working what you're working on. Yeah, guys. So I do appreciate you guys letting me come on. This is a lot of fun to talk with you. I uh, mean, Dan have talked multiple times in the past, so it was nice to get to know you, Adam and Chris. Uh, definitely a lot of fun tonight. Um, like I said, uh, I'm with the fantasy coaches. Uh, you can find us over on Twitter at coaches fantasy. Uh, my tag is on the line here at coach Stephen P. I'm actually heading over to our podcast. We have a little late night show here, finishing up our women in fantasy month here. We got a couple of cool guests coming on. So uh, whenever you guys are done here, if you guys want to come on over, uh, please do so. And um, uh, we don't really have anything at the moment going on, but some things that we're working on that hopefully in July we'll be announcing. So I don't want to give anything away too early until we have it set up, but uh, we got some things coming in the, in the pipeline for us. So uh, thanks. Well, I'll say this because I can confirm, confirm this for you. I will be on your show come yes. July. 
Yes, that is true. He did. He Dan will be on our show. I believe it's July twenty second or something like that. So yeah. definitely want to tune in for that. So that's that's a big thing we have in July. So I'll tell you that. Awesome. Take care. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Thank Take you. Care. Well, we have lost Steve for the night, but the show must go on. And just so we can stop talking about the Giants and. I, I believe the NFC East in general. Uh, yeah. All right. Cool. Um, all right, Dan. How do you feel about Galladay? Is uh, Daniel Jones enough to to keep Galladay uh, uh, what he was? Uh, you know, pre his injury last year. Galladay is a wide receiver too in this in this offense uh, for a few for a few different reasons. One, Daniel Jones does not throw the ball deep. He's twenty third in deep attempts now. He has a good completion percentage. He's actually seventh in deep ball completion percentage. So when he actually decides to pull the trigger, it gets there because he does give his guys chances to get the ball, but he doesn't pull that trigger often enough for Kenny Galli. The other problem is that Daniel Jones was of the bottom of the bottom of the bottom when it came to quarterbacks in red zone completion percentage last year. He's terrible in the red zone. Absolutely atrocious. So if you're taking away the deep ball from Kenny Galladay and you're not great in the red zone, the big thing that Galladay leans on to score fantasy points is his touchdown capabilities. It's not the targets. He's not an overly targeted guy. He's not a guy who's going to get open a ton. He's a guy who makes contested catches and he gets touchdowns. Well, I worry about Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay's ceiling to score those touchdowns. So I put that out there because I was very excited about Kenny Galladay moving on from the Lions. I wanted to see where he would go. I thought he had a good opportunity in some places. He goes to the Giants, and not only does it screw him up. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the U.K. for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. But it screws up Sterling Shepard because he's not going to be no more targeted guy. It screws up Darius Slayton because he's not going to be no more targeted guy down the field when Daniel Jones does decide to go down the field. It screws up Evan Ingram to some degree. It screws up pretty much everybody except for Saquon Barkley. So not only did he screw himself by going to New York, he screwed up all those guys who are nice fantasy pieces too. And that's why I kind of put this as a big impactful move for me and why it made my top five. That absolutely uh, makes some sense, uh, especially given how many people it impacts. So on from the NFC East, finally we get to move to the AFC East. Chris, Tua in Miami, they're they're putting some pieces around him. What do you think? I think it's a really interesting uh, Miami's offseason. We heard rumors all offseason about Miami changing the quarterback position. Were they going to target Deshaun Watson? Were they going to trade for another quarterback? Were they going to draft another quarterback? And I think that one of the things is that Tua is finally going to be the man in Miami. And that's really important. I think that they made their coaching decisions based on his success. They decided changed coordinators um, to two coordinators. Uh, we'll see how that works out. But they also made a you know a conscious effort to upgrade the team's speed. You move on from people like you know scrubs like Albert Wilson and, and Jerry Grant and replace it with people like Will Fuller and um, Jalen Waddle. I think having him pair up with Jalen Waddle, particularly playing Waddle in the slot, is going to open up the offense considerably. And I think too is going to be putting a lot of people make a lot of people eat their words from last year. I think everybody will just you know jumped on the Justin Herbert um, 
bandwagon and thinks he's he's the great quarterback of last year's draft. I think the two is going to have the last laugh in a lot of ways. I think he's going to be a highly productive fantasy player. He reminds me a lot of Steve Young and a lot of his skills. He can run the ball. He can throw the ball. I think we're going to see that the hip thing no longer be an issue. And like I said, with the additions on offense, they did a good job upgrading the offensive line and also giving him some speed all around. He's not a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick who's going to throw to the receivers who are getting no separation. He likes a guy who gets open and Jalen Wilde with top three in, in, uh, as a score, <clears throat> excuse me, in college last year in separation yards. I think you talk about Will Fuller had him was having a breakout year until he got suspended. So I think you add those two kind of weapons with a Devontae Parker, with a Gasecki, with the long. I think he has plenty of weapons. And I think two is going to be highly successful this year and going to be the super quarterback in a lot of ways for people they should target. Yeah, I think uh, both redraft and honestly in Dynasty, I think he's someone I would want to buy uh, if, if the owner you know has, has fallen out of love with him. Uh, I, I think that, like you said, he's great for those, those uh, receiving options that can actually get separation. Uh, where I guess I'd push back a little bit is I view Devontae Parker as a, a Kenny Galladay type in that I think he can get contested catches. I just don't think he's much of that uh, – you know, getting a lot of separation guy, which is strange because I think, you know, he was a pretty good athlete coming out, but, you know, we are late in his career. He's been hurt a lot. And, you know, after years and years of waiting for the breakout, it happened. He got the volume. And, and now I, I think we're already on the other side. Uh, well, I was going to say, I think the big difference is that Ryan Fitzpatrick had nothing to lose. So he was willing mm-hmm. to throw jump balls left and right. Well, Tua basically took over for a, a quarterback who was leading his team to the playoffs and nothing but pressure on him not to screw up. So I think the aggressiveness that we kind of seen that, you know, Tua's getting trashed for it after his first uh, OTA uh, for throwing five interceptions. I think that's a, a key thing that he's looking forward to doing is being more aggressive because last year his job was basically not to lose the game and not try to, you know, throw them. So as a rookie quarterback, you're not going to let guys, you're not going to let it rip necessarily for a Devontae Parker who's not getting great separation. I think this mm-hmm. year you'll see a little bit of a difference. Um, but I also think one of the big things is two wasn't two wasn't a scrub last year either. No, I mean Dan pointed out a couple one one of the shows a couple weeks ago that how productive he was when he took over as a starter, particularly his last five games. I mean he he's been he's fantasy relevant right off the bat, and people act like he's been doing nothing. Add those kind of weapons with a Devontae Parker, I think that's where you're going to see all of, everybody kind of benefit. Yeah, yeah, he was top 12 at the end of the season that year yeah. and when you had pretty much nobody there. So uh, that always seems to get glossed over. And the fact, he's got some mobility to his game too. Absolutely. He's, he's like you said, uh, the Steve Young comparison is lofty. But as you said, he's a really good passer, you know, lefty, of course. And, uh, um, you know, we've got the, um, uh, the running ability as well there. Uh, we will stay in the division uh, with you. We can just kind of go through our sleeper takes now. Uh, Chris, what did you think about the Jets' offensive moves that I think all of us on this show have been very excited about between uh, Carter, Moore, Wilson, uh, even Vera Tucker? Uh, So, yeah, break that down for us. Yeah, I think that one of the key things is watching the Jets last year and the year before, um, their offense was borderline offensive just to watch. Now they're actually going to have some offense for a change. Um, I think getting rid of Adam Gase, number one, is the biggest thing that we need to all clap our hands for and be happy about. Um, talk about Devontae Parker having a breakout. Um, a big part of that was when Adam Gase moved on. Every player that seems to benefit 
from not playing for Adam Gase, Ryan Tannehill, etc., is when they, he's not involved. So having him gone will help the offense, number one. Number two, drafting Zach Wilson, I think, is a franchise, true franchise quarterback. And I think the weapons around him are going to have him be successful in a lot of ways and have the offense be successful in a lot of ways. You have a, a, a making of a great offensive line, particularly on the left side with Becton and uh, Tucker drafting, drafting Tucker this year. And then you add pieces like Michael Carter, who we all talked about before in other shows. I think McCarter is going to be a stud. I think his, his talent fits the system really well. I think you look at a, a Mims, we looked at a Crowder, you look at players like um, Moore, who's having an outstanding you know, offseason already. All these guys, there's actually production you can get excited about for the first time in a long time for the Jets. Where last couple of years has been like, maybe James Crowder's a guy you play for PPR purposes. Maybe he's your receiver three or four if you have to throw somebody on the Jets out there. We want to depend on Chris Herndon being relevant anymore. Um, so I think in a lot of ways, the Jets often hit yeah, Dan's not a Chris Herndon fan. Um, but I think a lot of ways the Jets are actually going to be exciting to watch offensively, but they're also going to bring a lot of fantasy relevance as a, and accordingly. I mean, we always talk about how great 49ers running game is. Now they're going to actually have a legitimate running game. We saw Le'Veon Bell basically do nothing for New York, and now that we're going to actually see a guy probably be very productive in running back position for the first time in a long time in the in the Jet New York backfield. Yeah, I, I agree on on all points. Uh, as a bit of a, a personal thing, uh, you know, as a, I've talked to you guys, I'm moving up there, and I am just stoked to go try to spend some money and go see a, a Jets game. Because I, 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 I how strange really, is it to say? Like for real, you're yeah, actually excited it, to see the Jets. Yeah, I know. It's like something that I'm excited to go do, and that just it feels bizarre to say. But you know, I really I agree. I like Zach Wilson a lot. I think the guys around him fit really well. Uh, you know, Moore I think is fantastic route runner. As I've belabored on the show, I think Mims can be that jump ball jump ball guy for him. Uh, and just overall, I think it's a really good fit. Cork Davis is a solid receiver and a good chain mover. I think they have a lot of depth of receiver for the first time in a long time, too. I mean, yeah, basically, what Vincent Smith and whatever else they could manufacture and throw out there a couple last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Dan, do you have anything to, to say about the, uh, the Jets? No, I'm just excited. You know, I'm excited about Michael Carter. I'm excited about uh, Elijah Moore down the probably like second half of the season, maybe not even that long. I'm excited about Zach Wilson. My only question is going to be, what offense are we going to see? Are we going to see Mike LaFleur or are we see Matt LaFleur run more of a Mike LaFleur offense? Or are we going to see him run more of a Kyle Shanahan type of offense? And just to go to that too, are you going to have more three receiver sets or are you going to be more run-oriented base? Kind of like a Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan where they're derivatives of the same system, but you got two kind of different kinds of styles. That's all I'm really waiting to see. But other than that, I don't think there's a Jets receiver that I'm going to be going after hard. Even Elijah Moore is somebody I'm not going to be going after hard because I don't think it's going to be early on in the season. You're really going to be able to utilize them in redraft leagues too much. I still think Corey Davis winds up being the number one targeted receiver for them at the end of the day. But I think Zach Wilson's going to be a solid QB too. I think there's going to be weeks you're going to be able to stream him. The big one's going to be Michael Carter. Mm-hmm. Tevin Coleman, maybe for all intents and purposes for training camp, is going to look like the number one guy. But trust me when I tell you when week one comes along, he might start. And then that might be it. Uh, it's not. It's it, it, Michael Carter. Somebody you're going to want on your team early, early on, and he is the one rookie that you could take at a drastic sleeper range right now. Or I'm talking double digits, 
we'll see if that changes. We get forward training camp. We see a little bit more of him. We probably will. He'll probably move up. I'd have to imagine because I know he's going to light up in training camp, especially compared to the rest of those decrepit, slow running backs that they have back there on top of it. But he is somebody right now that you can just wait and he's going to be an RB3, possibly even RB2 for you by the end of the season. So that's going to be my big thing heading forward is what kind of the floor system we're going to see. Yeah. And to your point, uh, you can get Michael Carter at the top of top half of the second round in uh, even in dynasty super flex rookie only drafts. We're talking uh, getting a guy who I think the very least for a couple of years is going to be a productive uh, number one back, whether or not he's the only uh, back, you know, it remains to be seen, but I think he's going to be the starter nonetheless. And I feel very comfortable in saying that. And I think he's going to do that for at least a couple of years. So to get that kind of value at the top of the second round in a super flex, uh, you know, a dynasty draft, I mean, it's fantastic value, I I guess is all I can really say. Uh, I I was going to say real quick. I also think don't forget about Zach Wilson can move the can run. People Mm -hmm. seem to kind of underestimate his ability to move. And I think that that's something that's just getting overlooked and everybody's focusing a lot on, but he, he can do it in the middle of the air, but this guy, this guy's got legs. He's going to have some you know, nice, decent amount of yardage, I think, going forward. Yeah, and that is definitely getting uh, lost in the shuffle. Uh, speaking of uh, some quarterbacks who, who can run, Dan, you want to talk about the plentiful wide receiver additions to the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, I mean, look, you get Sammy Watkins. You draft Rashad Bateman. You draft Tillon Wallace. You have Duvernay coming into his second season, who I like a lot. You have Marquise Brown heading into his third year. There's weapons to be had here. Absolutely. And you have Lamar Jackson, who has the leading touchdown passer on his resume in his career. Mm -hmm. So the question is going to become, Greg Roman, how do you balance the act? Because you can't lose your identity on offense. Your identity is still going to be a run and pound. If you lose that identity, you're going to see what happened to the 49ers with Colin Kaepernick when they decided that they're going to try to spread things out and lost sight of the fact that Kaepernick's not a spread out quarterback. Lamar Jackson is not a spread out quarterback. He's better than Kaepernick throwing the ball, but he's not a spread out quarterback. Don't lose your identity. Can you just implement a little bit more passing? Can you not wait till third down to put Marquise Brown in the game? Can you just be a little bit more creative when it comes to that aspect of it? It doesn't have to be centered around Mark Andrews in the tight end position. You can throw outside the hashes. All that's possible. So to me, it's going to come down to Greg Roman. Are you going to get caught up in all the new toys that you have? Or are you just going to do you? Are you going to do what you did in Buffalo? When you had Sammy Watkins, you had Tyrod Taylor, you weren't afraid to take shots when they were available to you outside the hash. Are you going to do that? If you're going to do that, we're going to see a Lamar Jackson finally eclipse the 4,000 pass mark with his rushing capabilities, and that's what's going to make it really, really dangerous. Lamar Jackson is right back up there. Everyone's sleeping on him right now, but he does have that QB1 potential, and he has more potential than he's ever had with the passing because of these wide receiver additions. And the offense, if it's run properly, could really be scary. Really be scary what they did this offseason. Yeah. Uh, I know we're all fans of this guy, but uh, Chris, I want to hear your take. Um, He's definitely someone who's valuable in dynasty, but Rashad Bateman, is he someone that, that you're valuing highly in redraft or no? Not this year. 
I think Dan touched upon them adding Sammy Watkins. I think Sammy Watkins is going to be the sleeper number one receiver on this offense in a lot of ways, particularly because not Mark Andrews the tight position, the receiver position. I do think Sammy Watkins is going to be really talented, as long as he's healthy, I should say, because that seems to be key for Sammy. Um, but I think in a lot of things for when it comes to what Lamar is looking for, it's kind of a veteran is going to get open consistently. Sammy still has his speed, still has the ability to break tackles. So I think he's actually going to be the number one receiver. And with Marquise Brown still there and my Andrews there, I think Beaton has kind of waited his turn. I love Beaton as a prospect. I think he's going to be a superstar in his league. But I just don't think it's going to happen necessarily this year. And Dan, what what do you think um, the Hollywood Brown, where, what's his role? going? Is he just a, uh, a deep threat now? The, is there any volume he's that could ever come to him? He's going to be what he's supposed to be. He's going to be, he's going to be the second guy in that offense. He's going to be the deep threat. He's going to be the play-action-based guy that you're going to go to. Uh Ultimately, for fantasy, though, Marquise Brown might not be anything more than a wide receiver three, wide receiver four, home boomer bust type of threat. Regardless, and this goes back to how this offense is going to go, there's still not going to be a ton of targets. This still is going mm-hmm. to be one of the top running teams in the NFL. So as long as that continues to be the case, you don't have a lot of volume to go with these guys. So these wide receivers themselves are not going to have a ton of redraft value. They're just not. Marquise Brown actually might have the most value because he's going to probably be in a position to get the most big plays, especially talking about best ball, touchdowns, things of that nature. Watkins or Shad Bateman, one of those two will get the targets at the end of the day. It could, I, I'm with you, Chris, and it could be Watkins, but I also know that Watkins may not play a whole season either, so we'll have to see exactly what happens there. Uh, but I don't think that the most targeted receiver is going to necessarily reflect the most fantasy points when it comes to these guys. I'm going to hold off. Marquise Brown's the guy I'm willing to take a flyer on late because of his big play capability. But ultimately, I would rather see this thing kind of play out or just take them as sleepers that I can stash and kind of see how this thing goes. But that's kind of what the role I expect. I expect him just to have a deep threat role and be second fiddle, play the flanker position, maybe play even a little bit of slot, which would be nice for him too. Mm-hmm. Can, we, can we all agree that they're better, he's better than when Lamar led the league and touchdown passes two years ago than Willie Sneed as your number two receiver? Yeah. Way yeah, I'm, they have, 100%. They have more weapons for a change. Yeah, and I also think just underreported a lot and you know, I talked about in fantasy, but offensive lines are really important in fantasy. I talked about the Chiefs offensive line. I think the upgrades in the interior for the Ravens is going to be gigantic for Lamar Jackson. People kind of underestimate mm-hmm. how much he was facing pressure a lot last year and he ha- how many times he had guys in his face. So when you have added Kevin Slider and you add a Ben Cleveland inside, I think that's going to make huge, huge um, impact on their offense in general between not only running the ball, but throwing the ball in a lot of ways. Like I said, Lamar was one of the number one uh, pressured quarterbacks last year, and those tip mostly because their interior was just terrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if we were doing this segment last year, uh, I would hope that one of us would have picked up on the Marshall Yonda retirement being just huge for for the yeah. Ravens. Um, staying in the division and staying on a team that has a ton of receiver talent. Uh, I talked about what Big Ben coming back means for those guys, means for Najee Harris now, uh, just means in general for the Steelers. And it's that, you know, I I think it's interesting because I think it keeps Juju and uh, Deontay and, uh, you know, everyone else's ceiling or floors low or high. But I don't see any of them, you know, taking any steps forward by any means. One for one, there's a there's a logjam at the position. There's just so much re- receiver talent. And two, I I think I think his arm's going to continue to get worse, not better. I, I think that the Ben of 
you know, maybe not the back half of last season. Maybe it's like a Drew Brees where, you know, gets worse throughout the season. But the bend of, say, week eight or so is, I think, the bend that we have. Uh, I just think that's the reality of the Pittsburgh Steelers at this point. You know, I think that the volume will drop uh, with Harris getting added, but I don't think that it will drop to the point where these, uh, where, like I said, uh, Juju and Deontay and, uh, you know, everyone else will have, uh, you know, a floor. I just really don't think that any of them takes a step. Uh, really the only uh, other other point I think I have to make here is that uh, Ben himself, I think, is a solid QB2 based on volume. I wouldn't even say – I wouldn't say high-end QB2, but, you know, low-tier to mid-tier QB2. Uh, but, you know, overall it was just – I felt pretty strongly that he should and would retire, and I thought he was going to with Pouncey was kind of my assumption that he would go out with Pouncey and didn't see it. Dan, what do you have? I mean, I think Big Ben actually has a little more upside than uh, than that even. Everybody expects him to change his offense around. I think they will to some degree, but I don't know how much you can because that offensive line is so bad. I love Najee Harris. I think the running game will be better because he is better, but you still have the inefficiencies that comes with that offensive line. Ben's got to be in shape. That's first and foremost, and I don't know that he will, but I do give him that I do think a year removed from the surgery will be beneficial for him for his arm. I also, Chris and I have talked about this before, I also like to point out that before he hurt his knee, he was okay throwing the ball down the field. It was the second half of the season that everybody really remembers where it was just he's literally not even holding on to the ball and and basically throwing at the line of scrimmage every time because he was afraid to even be put in a position to get hit at that point because he he was never right the rest of the year. So I think that this has been overblown to some degree as far as what he can and cannot handle. And I think he's going to be a guy you're going to want to stream throughout the season as long as he's healthy. Still a lot of good weapons. Deontay, Juju, we might see Claypool take a step up. Eric Ebron, they add Pat Fearmouth. You add Najee Harris. This is a good offense. That has a really good chance to score a lot of points. So I think Ben's going to be somebody you're at least streaming and we'll be competing between that 12 and QB 16 spot by the end of the year. Chris, would you rather have Ebron or James Washington on your, your fantasy team at this point? Ooh, I probably definitely have to go with Ebron. Um, I think that Ben has, you know, an affinity for his tight end, particularly in the red zone. We saw Darius Green have the production. We saw Ebron be productive. I think James Washington's the fourth receiver clearly on that team. So I wonder how much he actually gets involved week in, week out. Why I think Ebron will continue to be the starting tight end as long as he's there. And Dan, we'll we'll end this with you. Uh, what are your your long term thoughts on on Freermuth, with or without Ben? I mean, I don't like anybody with Mason Rudolph, so that's going to kind of be a little bit of the question <laughs> there. Um, but. I do think he's there to be the replacement for Eric Ebron. I think if it's if he does get one more season with Ben and Ebron's moved on, I think Freermuth could be in a... I don't think he's as talented, so don't get it twisted, but I think he'd be in a capacity of an Adam Troutman where we're talking about him as a sleeper because Ben likes to go to his tight ends. Uh, but ultimately, 
I don't, I don't honestly, I don't know if I can answer your question. So I know who the hell the quarterback's going to be for the Steelers <laughs> in 2022. Although, cause I'll, I might not, I might not even be touching Deontay Johnson if it's made Rouge off. So uh, it's going to come down to that too. Absolutely. Jesse James. <clears throat> yeah, really. Oh. <laughs> but even Jesse uh, James had that year. We had eight touchdowns and it didn't matter. Uh, I even, I believe Vance McDonald may have even been relevant for a game there too. All right. That's the show, guys. Uh, Dan, what's your your Twitter? What are you doing this week? What's going on? Yeah, I was actually pulling it up. I've been doing. I've been getting ahead, and we were actually off last week. Chris and I from the MD's Fantasy Football Show. So I'm like three outline shows ahead of myself right now. But we are continuing on with the team profile series uh, for this upcoming week, 11 a.m. to 12:30 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports radio network we're back in full action we'll be back in full action again the next week after that i will be on vacation a couple weeks coming up but we got a lot to talk about until then uh one of the big things i wanted to get to is i had the teams up here so we're, we're talking about the patriots the vikings the texans and the arizona cardinals so we're gonna have a lot that we're gonna have to dive into with those guys and then next week we're gonna get in some uh pretty good teams as well so we got that coming up again 11 a.m to 12 30 p.m on the worldwide sports radio network on your social media accounts this friday chris do you have anything before we head out of here no i, I think the inmates we're excited for these shows to be doing we love to do the team profiles because we try to look at the off season kind of like we're doing tonight and break it down in even more depth to kind of show you what the coaches impacts will be what the players impacts will be and dan's been doing a great job of kind of adding, you know, different analysis with his, his projections as well as some of his injury projections of guys, you know, kind of how they actually pace out over the season in the 17-game season moving forward. So I think it's really exciting stuff we're talking about on Friday, like Dan said, and I can't wait to talk more about it. Yeah, and yeah. I'm hoping to have those projections actually done and up on the Billy Up Fantasy Sports website by, by mid-July, the very latest late July. But I'm about I'm a little more than halfway through the season as far as statting out these guys so far, or halfway through the league. Absolutely. Uh, I've been on the show and as a both listener and someone that's been on it, I can tell you that the quality over there is fantastic. Some really great stuff. Uh, We will be back on this show uh, two weeks from now. Uh, Sans Dan. Dan will be out for vacation. It'll be Chris and I and Mike uh, Belly Up co-founder on. We may have someone else. We may not. You never know. Come back in two weeks to find out. We will we will catch you then. Everybody take care. We'll see you next time. See you later, guys. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.